It's time for a little Chad and Cheese fun in Chicago at TA Tech for their Recruitment Marketing Leadership Summit. Check it out. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese podcast. I can't promise that this will be PG, like the rest of the content. Or beneficial. I can promise it won't be. Or beneficial. (laughs) Or worth your time. Yeah, I I will let Chad and Cheese introduce themselves and their panelists, but these two guys, I think, honestly, um, and I don't say this because I'm wearing their t-shirt, but um, are are two of the more genuine, knowledgeable people in this space. I spend a lot of time with analysts and uh, influencers and people in the space that I just have conversations with. And... These two have a really unique ability to understand the space and be objective about it, and then add some real value when they're not getting hammered on stage. <laughs> so I'll pass it to you guys. Uh, we've got a great panel here, um, and yeah, let's get to happy hour. Thanks, Jay-Z. <laughs> Boom. So welcome to the final presentation. Final Can we get the countdown. full screen on this, for God's sake? <laughs> I mean, we're very particular about our branding. And we only have one slide, so there won't be any mistakes later. Uh, Yeah, you all know us. uh, Chad and Cheese, I'm Joel Cheeseman. I'm Chad Sowash. And we're the Chad and Cheese Podcast, HR's Most Dangerous. Uh, Let's get to the conversation because we only have 30 minutes. So we're going to give you guys about 140 characters to introduce yourself till we get to the Q&A. So Jason, go. Hi, I'm Jason Jones. Uh, I'm the Recruitment Marketing Specialist at DraftKings. Hi everyone, I'm Joe Shaker Jr., President of Shaker Recruitment Marketing and proud father of Lillian, Marion, and Joseph. How many wins do the Cubs have right now? We're not going there. Okay. And by the way, just real fast, we're going to go there. I've never heard someone introduce you to as genuine. So yeah. that's, a, that's a first. That's a first. I'm Abby Cheeseman, co-founder at Skill Scout, not Joel's no relation. wife. We make recruitment videos um, that are awesome. Tom McKenney, CEO of Smashfly and former victim of the Chat and Cheese podcast. And live to tell the tale. So I'm going to start with you, Tom. Great. Your presentation, you poo-pooed on VR. Isn't it a little <laughs> too early to like bury virtual reality? It's not burying virtual reality. It's knowing when it's going to be ready to use. It's like a lot of technologies. You can be far ahead of the technology field. It just may not have a good application that you can use in the real world. Because I heard you buried it, but maybe we'll roll back the tape later. Anyway, Abby, yeah, you're like a video a person. Like, uh, <laughs> video was hot on this. Um, I don't want to stick on VR because no one cares about it. No, but, um, they don't. Like let's, Second Life. Let's Nobody start with video it. because apparently 84% of all internet traffic by 2020 is going to be video related. I assume you agree with that. I what agree. are some of your opinions on best practices <laughs> and what, Fits into the business what vendors model. and companies should be yeah. doing awesome. Yeah, with video. I think if you haven't done any videos, kind of the baby step into showing off what your workplace is all about is a realistic job preview. Um, so just a little fun factoid, we launched a video actually in partnership with Joe and Shaker, uh, one of our mutual, cli- mutual clients. Shytown. Um, for a tower climber position. And so this is a job that is just hard to fathom if you can't see it, right? These are the guys that are climbing 800 feet in the air. 
um, to service and build cell phone towers. And so we launched a two minute video um, with our client and they had 44,000 views within the first week. And so if that doesn't tell you something about the, the network effect, and this is on Facebook. And what platforms got them that number? Or was it advertising? Like how did they get there? Facebook. So Facebook. yeah, and I don't know what happened behind the scenes um, in terms of other media buys, but this was organic on Facebook uh, of this particular launch. So no buy on Facebook. That was all, all organic. organic. The first launch it was all organic. <laughs> Holy shit. That's awesome. Yeah. Holy That's shit. awesome. So, Joe, you do nice, pretty videos, historically at least. Where do you guys fit or anyone between like the really nice HD, professionally made videos and more like what, you know, Cheeseman over here is making with sort of we're on the scene, we're doing this guerrilla style. Like, where do you guys fit on that Well, spectrum? I think you even heard it, right, Joel, when you, you know, bias, but Tony Lepore did a fabulous job today. Yeah. Um, it's being authentic. And so I think we're moving away from the polished videos. Um, and you're moving more, right, what Abby's doing on the authentic videos. Obviously, what we saw today, too, with All True, I mean, even almost using your own ambassadors, video content being real and being truthful versus being, you know, the produced, professionally produced videos. Um, so we're seeing the shift more towards that versus the polished. Also, let's look at what we were talking about. Many people talk in our space today, time is of the essence. Mm -hmm. um, I forgot who it was that uh, talked about uh, just the timing to produce videos. They don't, we don't have six months, right? These organizations need people tomorrow. And so it's not only is it the content that the individuals are looking for, but it's also recruiting. We have to go now, and so we don't have time to wait. So Jason, I'm gonna flip it up a little bit for you. You're in the recruitment marketing side. What, what, what's, your, what's your title again? Recruitment marketing specialist. Okay, recruitment marketing. So do you report to HR slash TA or marketing? So I report to the VP of TA. VP of TA. So what's your connection to marketing? Do you have any? Do you embed with them at all? I mean, how does that work? So with recruitment marketing, in my experience, it's been a gray area. When you kind of join the company, you're the new person, you have to kind of draw that line in the sand. So who owns what? When it comes to social media, is your social media team going to post your content? Are you going to post it? For PR posts, are you going to write the culture piece write-ups or are they going to write it? So send that line in the sand. I was fortunate to wear my boss kind of drew that line for me. So when I came in, I didn't have to, but in my previous company, it was a constant struggle. It was a constant back and forth, who owns what, you know, us, you, us, you, and so um, it's a matter of just kind of drawing that line, Sam. Do you think of yourself you as a marketer? Now, yes, but yeah. my previous life as a recruiter, so I can kind of go uh, between both worlds. So how often do you actually work with marketing to set up content? Uh, set up content, not every day. It, it depends. It depends. Because marketing has the big budget, right? They've got the big budget. They've got all the brainstorming and all that other happy horse shit, right? So, I mean, doesn't it make a lot of sense to be able to really suck all of that out of there, especially the budget side, right? More so for the tools. Marketing won't share your. They won't share their budget from a content creation because their content generate sales, mine's going to candidates. But you're but, hitting, they're not candidates, they're customers. The people that are applying to your jobs, I bet a good amount of them are actually customers. So couldn't you like have a business case to say, hey look, we need some cash over here guys. So 
it's funny you say that. DraftKings, yes. Our players at DraftKings want to work for us, and yeah. so we get a lot of inbound traffic from them because they're hardcore rapid fans. My previous company, not so much. Because we were a product company, we had different products for different verticals, and so it was a little different. What I do is I partner with their tools. So our social media team, they use SpreadFast for their tools. How can I get a SpreadFast license so I can start sharing my content within your platform? If our web development team, they use um, a CMS tool. I can't remember the name of it, but it really allowed us to manage the back end of the website. Can you teach me how to use that site so I can update our career page using your tools? So they won't share their budget, but I can partner in their tools and it saves money for me trying to purchase a competing tool. Joe, is marketing getting more into, like internal marketing getting involved with recruitment a good thing for you? Or do you find that as sort of a threat because historically companies have gone to you for the marketing. If they go internally, is that bad for you? No, you want marketing to have a seat at the table. But I I mean, so many times I think, and it's, if you look over just the industry in general, you talk about recruiting, you talk about budget. Yeah. In reality, um, there really isn't a budget. And I will say to many of our friends in this in this room, obviously media, majority in this room, um, so many times you people come and say, well, what's the price? As organizations, if you can prove value and then you can fill those wrecks, they're not gonna care what the price is. If you go back over time, and obviously we're blessed, our business has been around for over six decades, we're well, we remember the days when you used to run $30,000 print ads, right? And, it will, and they ran the weekly. Good old days. And they ran, and they were the good old days. <laughs> right but, it, but the point is, the budget in talent acquisition is there, whether yeah. it be sits in HR or whether it sits in marketing. Um, just show that you have value, show that you can fill those jobs with quality applicants, they'll spend the money. Is marketing at the table at all, though, with your yes, clients? There? For sure. Okay. For sure. Okay. More and more. It's commercial time. Sovereign is known for providing the world's best and most accurate parsing products. And now, based on that technology, comes Sovereign's artificial intelligence matching and scoring software. In fractions of a second, receive match results that provide candidates scored by fit to job, and just as importantly, the jobs fit to the candidate. Make faster and better placements. Find out more about our suite of products today by visiting Sovereign.com. That's S-O-V-R-E-N.com. We provide technology that thinks, communicates, and collaborates like a human. Sovereign. Software so human, you'll want to take it to dinner. It's showtime. So what about on the on the video side? I mean, video is, and again, doesn't have to be yeah, polished. I'm sure marketing wants but a piece yeah, of the video I mean, process, video, right? right? Yeah, I think collaboration is the name of the game. I mean, I mean, if you don't engage your marketing partners as you're releasing videos of your company, um, that's a mistake. It should be collaborative. I think more and more uh, companies are thinking about, just like you were talking about, Chad, these are your candidates and your customers. These are this is the same pool of people. And as you think about, especially cult brands, um, that that there's a bigger following than just I want to apply for a job or I want to buy a thing. It's presence, and I, I think collaboration is is how we're going to see more and more of it happen. Are you finding much of marketing saying like, well, I mean, this is just an iPhone with a you know like we can do this, like let us do it. Are you finding that, or are you or is marketing saying like yeah? We don't want any part of this. We got to deal with getting customers and, and driving revenue. What are you seeing? In, in so, in our experience, a lot of our clients have video teams on their marketing team, and they don't have the time or priority um, to do TA videos. And so that's when we come in. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I think there's always going to be a space for a nuanced message for people who are looking for a position versus looking for um, a, a product or service. 
but it, it's collaborative, and I, I think TA is prioritizing video and moving at a faster clip sometimes. The marketing can move their resources, and so that's where we see a lot of our work. So, so Tom, new question. Uh, earlier you said that you know one of, one of your clients actually put in pretty much end-to-end -end automation, and it sucked for the candidate. We've seen surveys, I mean, Sherm and the Allegis Group has, has actually done surveys showing that like 66, 70% plus um, of candidates, they don't care. They'd rather like connect with the chatbot because they're sick and tired of going into that black hole. So where does, where do you find that balance? I mean, because yeah, there, there needs to be a quote unquote human piece to it, but can't the engagement in itself, whether it's a chatbot or an email or what have you, can't that be more human? We're talking about actually having marketing 101 subject lines, right? That kind of thing. It seems like it's more like adoption. They're, they're falling down, putting the automation in place and then just walking away. What's, what's up with the, the adoption piece? So you probably missed part of the presentation that was really the important part, which was <laughs> chatbots and the way chatbots are interfacing, it's not about having a chatbot. Yes, they want to interface with that a little bit better, but the reality is how are they interfacing with it? Right? And thinking about it from this perspective, we're seeing a trend in the auto industry where Tesla is selling cars mm -hmm. and you can buy a Tesla and you can have it delivered to your house and you have three days to drive it and if you don't like it, you can just return it. So it's happening completely outside of a human interaction. And I, I actually use this example a few times when I talk about chatbots and, and why they can be impactful. If you think about going to buy a used car, who wants to go to a used car dealership? Nobody wants to go to a used car dealership. You don't want to deal with a sales guy. You don't want to deal with a finance guy. Yeah, you want to see the car. You want to look at it. But the reality is you loathe going to a used car shop. If you think about it from a, a lot of the passive candidates that are out there today, do they want to talk to a recruiter before they find anything out? The reality is not necessarily. They don't want to be sold about a job or sold about a company. They just want to find out a little bit more about what's going on. So we actually use something in, in our advertising that talks about how often people that interface with some of the chatbots that we use with our customers, how often these people say thank you or something like thank you. Right. Because the, the chatbot's creating an emotive response where there's a humanistic component to how you're interfacing with that bot. Right, so it's if you They're think not about used to anybody interacting with them, that's the fucking problem, right? No, no, no. But it doesn't matter if it's an actual human. No, I it get it. matters if they the feel hole. there's a connection. Well, that's what I'm saying. They're used to the black hole, and now they're not getting the black hole. Right. And now they're saying thank you. Thank you. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So when you try to automate it from start to finish, and it's all a purely transactional mm -hmm. thing from beginning to end, that's where you miss the human component. But even if there's a perceived human component in the chatbot, you're going to create that emotive response with the candidate. And that's really what you want. You want the candidate to feel something through this process. And if they feel something through this process, whether they see a great video, whether they get their answers done quickly, or whether they, they understand a mission, or you've got on-site childcare. I, I mean, there's lots I'm of reasons to get excited. Right now. If I can, Settle real that. fast, too. I, what I'm hearing is that the cure to ghosting Settle is to have people come in for three days to work, and if they stick around, then they're hired. Like well, that, that's the Zappos thing, right? You yeah. stick around for a few weeks, yeah. and if you don't want to stay, off you go. What's you just get to show out a comment, I think. Yeah, what's well, the, the comment I was going to make to Tom, and I think he hit it perfectly on the point, was we're giving candidates, or you're allowing and giving organizations candidates options. 
Whereas before, um, Chad, what you were saying, it was a one-way dialogue, right? And this was, everyone was forced into a dark hole because there was no other options. Now there are options. Yeah. But I think some organizations sometimes are going too fast, and I think Ryan Crystal, and I did just say this, Ryan Crystal made a good point, Holy that what? you know you can't go all in and just buy the shiny new toy, right? Yeah. You have to obviously think it out, put through the right process, and then let the candidate decide how they want to interact with you. Can we talk about ghosting for a second, and particularly Jason, because he's on the corporate side, is ghosting a big problem with you? And what do you, if it is, what, what are you guys doing to remedy the, the problem? I think ghosting is a big problem for everyone. Um, you know, back in the day, you could post your job or you could reach out to a candidate, they would respond, you could schedule a phone screen. Now you really have to understand what that can's intrinsic need is to, to, to broadcast your EVP and get them coming back for every stage in the recruitment process. They need to come back and how can you about, how can you broadcast your EVP so they do come back? Before it was, you know, um, you know, you know, you have the power, now the cannons have the power. Mm -hmm. And so we're constantly at DraftKings broadcasting our EVP to every candidate that we speak to over and over and over again and, and give them a reason to come back. Even for a phone interview, even for a hacker rank test, give them a reason to come back every time. How are you doing that though? Yeah, are what are you some, doing of yeah. some of your reasons? What's some of your EVPs that you're using? So let's say for instance, like from an interview standpoint, the ghosting on the interview or not the first day or what have you, how are you keeping them, I mean, broadcasting that content? How, how specifically are you Do you, you give them like DraftKings credits? Every Every time they come in. Actually, yes. Yeah. Actually, yes. So, <laughs> do you work there? How do you no, know? No, I just got good ideas. No, no, no. So, he uses it. That's how he knows. So, in my own experience, um, in my own experience, and I was being courted by DraftKings, my interview process, they said, hey, before you come in, here's some credits, um, use a platform. You don't have to necessarily be a sports fan to work at DraftKings, but play on the product, get used to it, and come back with recommendations. You know, if you don't like it, tell us. If you like things, Perfect, but um, you know, if, if you're looking for a free trial on your product, especially to a technologist, because we hire a lot of engineers and data uh, data engineers, you know, have them play with the tool before coming in. Don't have everything be just a black hole where the first time they're seeing the product or really talking to someone is when they're coming in the door. You know, give a free trial if you can. I love it. I love it. Well, of course you would. Yeah, I'm a Fanduel guy, but you guys own by the same. Company. Please don't say that. Uh, uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> What did we miss? Like I thought, I thought retargeting we missed. Yeah, I agree. Retargeting was missed, um, but it's also, I mean, there's you can say that how does it fit into the strategy? Most of the today was around right. Let's talk about employment branding. Let's get mm -hmm. the brand message created. How does the message go out? Um, as again, I'm, it's twice now. As Ryan said, it's part of all campaigns. I would use caution though on retargeting that in our industry a little bit different. I believe in the consumer. It also goes back to tracking, which came up multiple times today. You can't and I would be careful on retargeting someone potentially that has been dispositioned out or retargeting a candidate, right, that hasn't heard from us in five, 10, 15 days. And so How getting- How far out should you continue to market to someone after they've been to the career site, in your opinion? Like it's two weeks, 30 days? <clears throat> How, what's the, how fast is the recruiters going to guarantee they're going to get a response? Okay. So if, I mean, if I would put the recruiters, SLAs are going to respond to all cans within 48 hours, then I would wait 48 hours and then retarget the people that they haven't heard from. Um, but sending messages to people that are still waiting to hear from recruiters yeah. or sending messages to people that have already been said no to um, with our, that lovely message that all comes out of the ATS is mm. thanks but no thanks is a, not only a waste of dollars, but what are they going to do? They're going to go to Glassdoor and possibly write some negative reviews. So you got to be careful in retargeting in our space, a little bit different than in consumer. Go ahead. You know what else we didn't talk about? We didn't talk about a trend that's starting to come out, which is no interviews. 
you go through the process, you submit something, you don't talk to anybody, and you're offered a job. So when we think about how our entire evolution is about happening. high volume mo mostly? Or? Not even high volume. Yeah? I mean, okay. th think about it. There are, there are plenty of ways, and it goes back a little bit to, you know, take a job in three days and we'll see if you do well or not. <laughs> Especially in the gig economy, mm -hmm. you think about software engineers. It's a very clear articulation of what your skill set is. You either know Ruby or you don't. You either know Python or you don't. So why bother with going through all this crap that we do about whether or not my gut tells me you're a good hire? Why don't we just create an entirely scientific process about it? Sure. Now it goes against this idea of the human component that's in it, but if you shrink the hiring time, is that an advantage point? If you can go from Monday, you apply for a job, you do a couple of things online, mm -hmm. Monday night you have an offer, and Tuesday morning you start, I mean, that, that is a game changer for a lot of companies. Yeah. And if they churn through a bunch of folks, they churn through a bunch of folks because they're not in really spending their, their um, what's the word I'm looking for, cost, their opportunity yeah. cost to hire everybody. What's, Just churn through them. So gig economy. I mean, yeah. I think Upwork is trying to build that world where you just take it off the shelf and you use it. When you're done, you're done. How is, how are, how is the gig economy and those platforms affecting everyone sort of on the panel from the employer to the marketer? So I'll do sort of an answer to that okay. question. So that's how we hire. Um, when I'm hiring videographers, we don't go through lengthy interview process. I ask for your portfolio and I give you an assignment, which is film a video of yourself, introduce yourself, and edit it with this slate. Yeah. Um, and they submit a work sample and then maybe we talk to them briefly, um, but we bring them along to shadow a shoot. And, and it's very quick and it's rapid and you rapidly find out who you can work with in the creative process. And it's worked really well for us and we're heavily reliant on a gig economy. Yeah. How many of your clients are doing that, Joe? Which portion? The portion of just the no interview. Just show me your stuff and, and, and let's I mean, do Upwork, this. Upwork puts the marketing. Few. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I would add to that question just not the, the portion of the gig economy, but what about no ATS, where more of my clients are moving to, let's go to the quicker process, still doing the interview, but getting going around the ATS, right? right? Why are people running to Indeed and doing hosted jobs? Is it because they like hosted jobs? No, the recruiters no. are going around the ATS. They don't want to use the ATS. They'd rather just use the CRM. That makes, I believe, more sense. It makes sense from the candidates, process them, get them interested, and then push them into the ATS. Right, so. See that more than the good. So Jason, how many interviews do you have to go through at DraftKings? It's pretty lengthy, probably about five. Uh, and more, that's more so on the technical side, and that's including Hacker Rank, and it's a very, very mm -hmm. hard technical assessment. We want the best of the best, only because we're thinking of technical problems that haven't happened yet. So if you have, you know, Mitch Trubisky who scores you five touchdowns, we can't have our platform crashing. We need top-of-the-line <laughs> technologists who... <laughs> Aspirational. Aspirational. <laughs> Didn't he throw six in one game this year? I'm pretty sure he did. But, you know, we need people who can think outside the box and, you know, I don't think we can ever get to a point where we have no interview. In, but in a tight labor market, though, aren't you losing good candidates? I mean, you have to be. We're fortunate where we're not right now. Really? Okay. We're not. Uh, only because of the industry and, and the people brand? who want to work with us. Brand and you too? get free betting credits. <laughs> ah, good call. It's commercial time. Canvas is the world's first intelligent text-based interviewing platform empowering recruiters to engage, screen, and coordinate logistics via text, and so much more. We keep the human, that's you, at the center, while CanvasBot is at your side adding automation to your workflow. 
Canvas leverages the latest in machine learning technology and has powerful integrations that help you make the most of every minute of your day. Easily amplify your employment brand with your newest culture video or add some personality to the mix by firing off a Bitmoji. We make compliance easy and are laser focused on recruiter success. Request a demo at gocanvas.io and in 20 minutes, we'll show you how to text at the speed of talent. That's gocanvas.io. Get ready to text at the speed of talent. It's showtime. Exactly. So you're not leveraging uh, platforms like Upwork to bring in contract workers for, no. for jobs? No. Do you see a day where you would or you'd be open to that or no? Um, we do, I guess, more so on the, on the uh, customer associate side. So if you have a player who has a complaint, we'll bring in those kind of temp workers and then you know, we'll convert them you know, if it works out. Mm -hmm. And some of those temp workers actually move into the business into marketing our product. But more for full-time, it's kind of full-time or not. Yeah. I want to talk Google for jobs. Um, is it a don't believe the hype situation or do you think it's a legitimate threat to everybody else in the ecosystem? It's a legitimate threat. I mean, when you type in, everyone uses Google, right? Yeah. I, don't, I don't mean people are using Yahoo or DuckDuckGo or all the other niche sites. Everyone goes to Google. It's, you hear it all the time. You hear it in movies and TV shows. It's, it's a household name. So are you actively looking at your jobs on Google for Jobs and how they're ranking and who else is in there in terms of how they can apply? Like, are you pretty active with how you're doing there and, and what sort of feedback would you give us at this point? Yeah, so I would probably say, so our agency who's here, Bayard, thank you. They do a good job with our SEO and constantly making sure. <laughs> there we go. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> Product ABC. placement alert. ABC. Always be closing, yeah. baby. Uh, they do a good job of making sure that our jobs are constantly ranked the highest. Yeah. Especially on the technical side, no one knows DraftKings as a technology company. So we always have to uh, reposition and retarget and make sure our, our jobs are ranked the highest, so, especially on Google. Joe, what are you saying on Google yeah. for jobs? Well, what are you doing for your clients to be able to to, to focus on that ranking? So what I'm doing, it's obviously it's brought an awareness to Google okay. um, into the space. Now at Shaker, we've been doing search engine marketing right since it started. So for so long in our space, though many people in HR and TA are like, well, what is the search engine marketing? I don't want it. The rise of Google for jobs increased the awareness for Google and most organizations said, well, I want my job sponsored. You know, obviously we all know you can't sponsor your jobs in Google for Jobs. So it's it has yeah. propelled the industry and got organizations to understand the importance of you need to have an SEM campaign running in addition to obviously your programmatic job distribution and so forth. So it has, from a Google perspective, I don't know if it's competitive to your point earlier, um, but it has increased um, the buying of SEM. Do you have any data around it, what it's meant for traffic inbound versus maybe other sources that have lost as a result to Google for Jobs? I mean, it's, it's so they're, if they're not adding budget, of course, where is it coming from? It's coming yeah. from job distribution. Most organizations right now are adding, right? Especially in the market, that yeah. where we see the market that they're in, how hard it is. So they're not cutting from budget, they're adding, and there's justification for it. Are any companies strategically posting jobs anymore, or is it all pro programmatic at this point? Oh, no, they're doing both. And I would, both. I would say the, the latter, programmatic, is growing the fastest, but they're still doing traditional. How much duration versus actual performance? Every organization's different. Yeah. I mean, industry's different. But I mean, the ones that are still buying postings are doing the duration base. Um, less than paper performance than less than programmatic. So I'd go 
paper performance, duration. No, paper performance, yeah, duration programming. Okay. Abby, when it comes to, when it comes to like, I don't know if it's YouTube or what, what's really the, the main methodology, we were talking about Facebook earlier, yeah. that you're seeing that clients are getting amazing yeah, amounts of traction. Where's the traction at? Where should videos be yeah. and, and where's a waste of time? TikTok. <laughs> I don't know, Joel. Uh, so I think, so when you engage employees in creating content, um, which video naturally does, um, and then you encourage them to share it with their friends, people are really proud to show off uh, when they're featured and when they're selected to be in an employee video. So I think traditional social, you know, um, Facebook is big. I think Instagram is growing. I think we're, we've been asked to do a lot more short format. I'm, I'm really interested in playing an Instagram story type format. I think that's uh, growing. I mean, I'm a huge consumer of Instagram stories. We've done a couple. Yeah. Um, and then I think, you know, Snapchat's kind of dead. We did some geo-targeting and some video campaigns there, mm -hmm. but we haven't really seen a lot of uptick. But I think Facebook's still running strong. Yeah. Um, and I think in terms of social share and getting employees to engage and amplify your employee engagement um, and referral program, that's where we're seeing a lot. Are you doing much SEO around YouTube videos to rank within Google search results? So like when I search working at company name, do those videos show up well or? Are you seeing any of that? Depends on how well the company is optimizing. So um, we sort of drop off when the content is made and give some best practices, but then we introduce them to Joe and people who know what they're doing in programmatic and buying. Um, and, and I think one thing that's not going away is that as Google becomes bigger, they're going to continue yeah. to give preference to posts with video um, in their algorithm. So, but, but when it comes to what happens next, I mean, that's outside of our realm. So Tom, you've got this great experience. It's wonderful. Uh, you've pretty much surpassed the, the, the customer slash candidate's expectations. And then they hit the apply button, they have to go into the applicant tracking system. So what are you, I mean, what are you doing, right? It's like, what are you doing, yeah, wah, wah. What are you doing to be able to help clients get past that and understand that, you know, you're gathering data, they need some data, but yet it's, it seems so repetitive and duplicative in, in many cases, uh, and, and the process just sucks. What are you guys doing to be able to help HR and TA better understand that UX means everything. It's a struggle. It's a clear struggle. And part of it is because you have a lot of TA organizations that love the front end experience they have. They love the career site, all the interactive media that they have, the nurturing and the engagement. And then they try to have this conversation and say, HR folks, we can't take 45 minutes for somebody to fill out a job application. We just can't. And HR just crosses their arms and says, well, compliance, well, legal, well, you know, insert your explanation here. And it's incredibly frustrating because there was a, another large company in our space who tried to force everyone to move their talent network forms to after the apply process. And it's like, it's, that's a fundamentally stupid thing to do. Was because, that Indeed? Did I, did I hear Indeed? I didn't mention the company name. <laughs> so it's a fundamentally stupid decision because you're losing all that opportunity to nurture and engage. And I remember a conversation I had where I was told, well, just tell your customers to change their apply process. It's like, you know, literally throwing your arms up in the air saying, enterprise customers don't work that way. They don't think that way. And in many enterprise customers, there's a separation of church and state mm. between TA and HR. It's just, it's just the way it is and it's the nature of where we are today. But you think about, you know, the apply overlay sort of concept. You think about, you know, what Rethink Data is doing, for example, with trying to encourage better applications, better process flows. You know, I remember going through one of our customers' 
application process. And I remember I gave up about half an hour into it mm -hmm. when they asked me to hold my driver's license up to my <laughs> webcam so they could take a picture of my driver's license. And I was like, I'm done with you. I don't even know if I want the job from you. Yeah. Well, no, actually, I do know now that I don't want the job from you. So it, it's going to be a, a real struggle over the next, say, year, two years, three years to get folks to really understand that that whole part of it, you do all this great work on the nurturing and engagement side. All this great level of influence that you're generating to get people excited about opportunities, and they go to that black hole, they go to that ATS, and it's not necessarily the ATS's fault. Nah. You know, the implement, implementation of a phenomenal technology can still be shit. Because it's, just, it's how you do it that really makes a difference. But it's gonna take a real sea change in the industry to understand that the apply process starts at the moment you discover the candidate. Not at the moment that they say, they click that apply button. It starts way before that. And that entire experience, even beyond getting the job, it's the onboarding, it's the how you interface with the LMS, it's three years being an employee. That engagement process needs to continue all the way from discovery to the, my new favorite word, work retirement. Right? It's got to go all the way through that. I still don't know what that means. I'm going to find it, out it, by the end He, of the he day. wants to because he wants to be in work retirement. I, think I'm, I, I really want to be in work retirement like right yeah. now. We, we've so, heard a little bit today around voice search and voice interaction. I love obviously, it. Alexa, Siri, et cetera. My favorite, yeah. um, it certainly yeah. hasn't made any sort of progress in the employment space. Um, will it? How long is that timetable? What does it look like? Any opinions on voice? Does it kill chatbots when you can t actually talk? To it the, doesn't to the kill chatbots. It augments chatbots. Exactly. Yeah. Right. It makes if the, you, if the process you, easier. And it's the challenge with that isn't about whether or not voice technology has an application. It absolutely does. It's mm -hmm. about whether or not that voice technology can actually understand you. Right, because let's say you're, you know, Joel, it's early morning, you're really sick of chat over here, you're like, I really hate doing this company thing, this, I gotta go find so a job. So this morning, basically. This morning, basically. <laughs> like every right? morning. And you wake up and you're like, Alexa, tell me what kind of jobs are our Google. And Alexa comes back and says, I'm sorry, there are no jobs where you can Google. <laughs> right, it's, natural language processing is not quite there yet to really get it to a point that you can very easily interface with voice commands. There's gonna, there's gonna be some development time of technology to get to that point where it really is impactful for our industry. Anyone Joe. else got a Yeah, I would just say, I mean, it's, think about it, what's, what the candidate's gonna be and what the users are gonna be doing, and I look at my children. And I think a couple other people were saying that earlier and talking about what their kids were surf surfing on the internet and what they're looking at YouTube, and I look at my five-year-old and you know, she yells at Alexa and says, play Disney music. Right? And so what's to stop her from 15, 10 years from now, say, find me a job. Now, hopefully, her job will be Shaker Recruiver Marketing. Jobs near me. It Jobs better near me. Be. But I mean, Jobs that's what me. they're being trained, and we're training them to do that. So one would say, I would agree, though, obviously, Tom, the technology's not there yet, but it's going to catch up. And the younger audiences, that's, what the, that's how they're doing it. They're not going to pull out their phone and start typing. Jason, I'm curious on um, working with marketing. Do you guys ever have discussions about, hey, in our consumer marketing, can we bleed a little bit of our, hey, interested in a job, we're hiring as well? Or does that conversation not ever happen? So for DraftKings, no, it doesn't actually. You know, our corporate colors are black, orange, green. That may not resonate with our candidates. And so when I talk with our design team, which is kind of a shared resource, I say, how can we soften the colors? You know, your des designs I get are for a certain consumer of a certain demographics. Our candidates are not that. They're right. more. And so um, I need you to adapt to my needs, actually. It's commercial time.
Finding the right fit is important. When you're deciding on shoes for a long day at the trade show, when you're picking the right podcast for your commute, and most importantly, when you're looking for the right candidate. With JobAdX, you can attract more relevant, engaged candidates to your jobs by harnessing the best in ad tech targeting. From predictive industry analysis and keyword click data to premium first page placement and reducing redundant applications, our candidate targeting technology ensures that you're reaching talent that's as interested in working with you as you are with them. Now with in-ad video and multimedia, you can share your employer brand story and company culture with job seekers so they can visualize themselves in your office, all hands meeting, or axe throwing team building adventure all without navigating away from your job posting. Increased engagement makes for fewer steps between job seeker and new team member. Ready to ramp up your job advertising campaigns with the best in ad tech? Visit our new website at www.jobadx.com. That's J-O-B-A-D-X.com. Attract, engage, employ with Job Adx. Oh, and... Happy anniversary to our favorite dangerous dudes. Thanks for all the traffic, shoutouts, and good laughs. Job Addicts, proudly Team Chad and Cheese in 2019. It's showtime. So here's a question for all of you. Is an employment brand just really the symptom of a shitty overall brand? We see big cult brands who have a brand and they focus on that one brand, right? And, 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 that's, and that's what it is all the way through. They focus on um, not just the, obviously, mission statement, but it's more purpose-driven, right? We, we talked to uh, the global head of, of um, community at Airbnb, and we are talking about colors. He didn't care about colors. Go, here's, here's it's kind of like the Pete Buttigieg thing, right, where they put out the, they put out the uh, design kit and go do whatever you want with it. It was all about purpose. It all focused on purpose. And then when we asked him, what about your employment brand? I mean, he almost had a seizure. He's like, there's no employment brand. So do we think that employment brand's really a symptom of the overall brand just really sucking and not focusing on employment? For us, it's, you know, our industry is daily fancy sports, sports betting and media. Sports betting goes against people's moral fiber. And so in a way, we need our employer brand to attract the right people. We need our employer brand to say we're working on cool technology that's interesting. Our consumer brand is not going to do that. It's going to say, come play daily fantasy, come bet, come in, come consume some some video content that we're producing. Because so without an employer brand, people might think they're walking into a sports book in Vegas when they walk into the draft. Kings. Well, they're focused on revenues at that point, not purpose. But what he's saying is they have to overcome. I know the, what he's we're, saying. We're, it's we're, in English, so <laughs> yeah, I totally get it. So, Joe, your thoughts? Your, the employment brand is the visualization of the employment value proposition. The okay. Employment value proposition is obviously taking in consideration the company brand plus what it's like to work at the organization, and then again, as Tony said, how do you differentiate yourself from some of the competition? And so that's, I mean, I would say, is the employment brand by itself? No. It resonates well, and it has to go in, lo in line with the consumer brand, but does have a life of its own. I think it's about the stories you allow yourself to tell also. I think a consumer brand uh, has a specific voice, and employer brand allows you to tell things from an employee's perspective. That, yeah. Aside from those companies that have achieved that cult level, um, most companies are not quite there yet. And so I think employer brand actually helps elevate to a higher, a closer 
something to that called brand. I think storytelling, though, is, yeah. is a big piece of it, though. Being yeah. able to to really demonstrate purpose and, and, and help them understand that, you know, if you do have a moral problem with, with gambling, well, you should, probably shouldn't fucking work here, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and I think your employer brand uh, is authentic when it's told by your employees, right? And yeah. I don't... I don't think there's anything um, disingenuous about creating an employer brand to help cultivate and allow people to tell those stories. But if you're doing it right, it's a reflection of what's actually the experience of working there, right? Tom, Tom. anything? <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> one of the one of the stats that we have talks about how you have a bad experience going through an interview process or an engagement process. Uh -huh. It's going to negatively affect your impression of the brand, which is a product brand. Yes. And one of the, I don't think that enough companies, especially at the enterprise level, really realize that your brand permeates everything you do from an employment brand perspective. It doesn't matter. You can be a horrible, horrible company just based on perception in the market. It doesn't matter how good your employment branding is. And if your employment branding is crap, it's going to negatively in impact your product brand. I mean, think about just you know the story that I talked about with CVS. You know, people know CVS as a pharmacy, but they don't know that CVS can transform healthcare just with all the data they're sitting on. And even a small company like us, it's like you know you do a nurturing campaign. It's like we've got these great opportunities, great things yeah, we can do. The first yeah, thing that happens is like okay. Smashfly. What? Who the hell thought of that name? What the hell is Smashfly? Oh. You, you know, bug company. Question. Is this like a pest control? Right, so even for us, you know, the, just even the name of the company has a trickle-down effect to the employment brand. You know, it, it, and it's not just gambling. I remember one day somebody sent me a thing, this was like 10 years ago, this great company, this great opportunity, you know, huge senior level technology position, and they didn't tell me the name of the company like through the first half hour of the discussion. And finally I said, well, you know, who actually are you? And it was a cigarette company in Kentucky. I was like, no, because <laughs> that doesn't match with my value proposition, right? So the, the, the brand itself has so much of an impact. And this is why when we were talking about earlier about the correlation between what TA is doing and to an extent what recruitment marketing is doing and aligning with the marketing team, that has got to become a symbiotic relationship. It has got to get closer together. And the technologies that we're gonna see in the next three, four, five years, you're gonna see more and more of those technologies being similar across the landscape. It, this will happen and, and you see it happening. Like the, the divide between marketing and recruiting is narrowing? It, very much so. You know, in the, the number of companies that we're talking to today, whether they're customers or potential customers, the number of times we're seeing someone from the marketing team involved in the process of selection is increasing. Because the marketing folks are starting to understand if we crap the bed in our employment brand, it's gonna hurt our sales. It's, a, it's a, almost a one-to-one -one relationship. You wanna avoid that, and the marketing guys are gonna get killed if all of a sudden you're not getting the numbers and the results from your marketing campaigns because your employment campaign has crapped the bed. Just tell the marketing team how many resumes are in the database that aren't being farmed. That'll get their attention. So apparently we're, we're out of time or low on time. Peter, do we have time for questions? Peter, yes. Peter. Castellini? Yeah, just kind of on this, um, I moved back to the United States a year ago, and what struck me was there were three big major companies doing mea culpa campaigns. Facebook, Uber, and Wells Fargo. They were all doing these big kind of, we've screwed up, like, <laughs> Wells Fargo was <laughs> yeah, all of them. That's right. How do you I don't I don't know that as an employment brand that you can 
control of any of that. You are still beholden to that, but how do you work in an environment um, as talent acquisitions where you are out, some of that's outside of your control. I, I would think that part of the goal with those three campaigns was an employment brand So. I know for a while in the Valley, Facebook was having some recruitment challenges because of that same issue, as well as the privacy stuff and other things. So I think one solution is talking to people who stayed with those companies through those hard times and hearing their story of like, why'd you stay? And I think what you'll find is people are excited by those challenges and there are reasons that maybe are overlooked in all the negativity that people are staying and highlight those stories because they exist. Not everybody left Facebook, right? Not everybody left and so I think that just simplicity of telling employee stories and elevating those to be important voices um, is a place to start. So DraftKings and like FanDuel are going to merge because of government regulations and it didn't work out and so it was known at the time as like a failed merger. You have employees who didn't know if they were going to have jobs and so this isn't the same degree but you know we're trying to unlock their those employee stories like you've gone through the muck, you've gone through the crap. Why are you still here? And how can we leverage that story to attract people where it's going to get the tough, it's going to get, it's going to get tough, it's going to, you know, but, you know, we want to attract people who aren't going to just leave at the side of, you know, bad PR or yeah. bad news. I mean, you had your own challenge with, I don't know if it's uh, DraftKings or FanDuel, of, of employees recognizing trends and, and betting and oh, yeah. doing their own betting. So you kind of had a little bit of that at your at your company. You might not have been there at the time, but. I wasn't, and um, yeah, so we had someone who, honestly, as you're writing the rules of the game that it's going, you do, you know, you're, we had someone who played on a competitor site, he didn't know, because there was nothing in place to say that he couldn't, and then he got out, and there's a media circus, and then you're kind of, you know, here's what you can do, here's what you can't do, and so we're always kind of playing catch up as we go, and you know, it does lend to some PR nightmare and, you know, it, it affects recruiting, it affects your employer brand or your consumer brand. So, awesome. Thank you, Chad. Thanks, Please. guys. Hi, I'm Emma. Thanks for listening to my dad, the Chad, and his buddy Cheese. This has been the Chad and Cheese podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single show. Be sure to check out our sponsors because their money goes to my college fund. For more, visit chadcheese.com. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.